and that'll do. Cool. Sweet. Boom. So nice. <sighs> do you want to intro? Yeah, okay, to sure. Intro. Welcome back to Danger Film. This is Jack and Andre, and we're in the FBI studios with none other than Soda Jerk, who are here to talk about Terra Nullius, their newest collage remix magic film which is playing three times over the festival. Andre, can you talk a little bit more about Soda Jerk? What's to say? I mean, Soda Jerk are two video artists who, I say artists in the sense that they use film and archives and filmmaking and cinema to create these pastiche collage works that are montage They're also, I would almost say like documentary poetics, huge, crazy mashup films in the same way that I think Fatboy Slim makes a sampley mashup kind of music. Would it be weird for me to say that you could be the Fatboy Slims of video art? Okay, we're going to take that. Yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with that. I'm going (laughs) to lean into that description. And I guess their work draws from a lot of American cinema, often to create different meanings or different ways of seeing film history, cinema as a whole. And we also really want to be your friends. Yeah. You are our friends. (laughs) We both only discovered you really recently. I think we found you because we were looking around Australia for people with the same kind of personality and what we wanted to do. And I guess I wanted to talk to you. I read that you were so inspired by the music scene and what was happening with music. Can you talk about how that inspired you to do the kind of work that you do? We grew up in Sydney and I guess in the early 2000s, we were just part of this really this really cool scene in Sydney, which sort of was around like things like um, Frigid and Club, Club Kooky yeah. and uh, Electro Fringe and um, the hip hop label Elephant Tracks was kind of coming up then. And yeah, and there were just people doing really cool things around sampling and sort of like uh, modding um, instruments and technology to sort of like create. Um, uh, new sounds and new ways of like um, making music and art. Yeah, I guess we just began to think about like what it might mean to sort of apply some of these um, sort of like uh, tactics to to video sampling. Which is something that I don't think you really see very often at all, but it's something that goes back to, I mean, we were talking to Karen Perlman in a previous episode of this same podcast and she was talking about the remix film and sort of taking films that already exist and reinterpreting. So that was like the Tsarist Russia and they were just home videos, but then she would juxtapose it with Revolution yeah. and show you what you really think, which feels like what you're kind of doing with Terra Nullius and taking footage that already exists and putting a stamp on it. I guess Andre and I were wondering what came first. Was it the craft and the remixing or the politics? For that project. For that project. Or for anything, I guess. I, for so anything. Was it like Australian cinema? Was it like mostly, an ex- yeah. extension of collage? Was it Mostly because when you look up Soda Jerk, you see a lot of people applying these uh, theories and these thoughts about what the message is. I'm just curious about what came first, the message or the fun? Yeah. I, no, I think that's a really good question. It's a little bit of chicken and egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and... To go back to like, you know, sort of two decades ago when we started practicing together, we, we wanted to make this this work called um, Hollywood Burn, which was we had this idea to make like a weird sort of remix film where we like sort of like pillaged the archive of um, Hollywood cinema to make a work that then critiques like um, copyright. Yeah, but I think, I mean, with this film it was like really sort of came out of this sort of increasing sense of despair like in, you know, um, in you know the last sort of two years, uh, feeling about the political landscape, so it was really coming from a point of politics. I think um, the increasing urgency to make this film, wouldn't you say so? 
Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, we'd, we'd sort of been thinking about making this Australian film for like a decade, but, um, yeah, I mean, shit's just gotten so bad politically over the last few years that it, it just it felt like it, there was a growing sense of urgency to make it now. It feels like honesty. It doesn't feel deeply political to me. A lot of what you're saying is just what I would talk about with my friends. Yeah. And yet I often see it's actually people from the left who call it controversial or people will write controversial assuming that it's going to be controversial do you see it as controversial i mean i know you're it's a it's an ang it comes from a place of sort of despair but isn't it just you just talking about how you feel yeah i mean i think our friend said that uh you know for it to be controversial you need a controversy and i'm not sure that we've really you know had a controversy you know like it was kind of called controversial before anything had even happened you know it really is just about exactly speaking the kind of thing that 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 we that we feel <laughs> when I was looking into Soda Jerk, I read that one of your pieces is a seance fiction, and I think I love that. I think I, it's a lovely way of describing a cinematic experience. Do you mind explaining or talking more about that? Yeah, we became really interested in sort of like theories of hauntology, and we sort of began developing this series of works called The Dark Matter Cycle, and I guess in them we stage these encounters between like past and, and future versions of, of sort of a screen star um, sort of encountering themselves and that's sort of where we sort of coined this 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 term the the sort of seance fiction yeah because I think all cinema is like a seance fiction you know you've got these recordings of people at a certain point in time that will then go on and you know they will eternally be caught in that same moment so when you're watching a film it's always in a sense like these ghosts are sort of coming back from the past and I think we're interested in the way cinema does that on a personal level, on, on the way of bodies, but also on the way of like how, you know, political moments or, or social moments or historical moments are inscribed inside, you know, cinema fictions and stuff like that. So in that sense, there's, you know, no such thing as a fiction film because they're always documents, you know, they're always documentaries in a sense. And this deja vu, it's interesting that you talk about hauntology, but in the one that I love, I mean, it's the, I've seen two of the Dark Matter series, but I love the Judy Garland one, Visiting Liza Minnelli. And it's, it's yeah, it's Liza Minnelli being haunted by Judy Garland, but it's more Judy Garland being haunted by a future Liza Minnelli. And this morning Hunter was talking about things going in circles and cycles and films. And so I just want us to re-edit this with us in like 20 years time. <laughs> having the same conversation um, as a purely narcissistic vision <laughs> I, know. I guess also I wanted to talk about the kind of stuff you're drawn to because it's so cool like you're, you've done this stuff with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and you've done stuff with I don't know just texts that really speak to me personally and I wonder if it's a an Australian thing that we're or like a queer thing or like what is it about the certain things that you choose and yeah I mean definitely when you say you're drawn to like Judy Garland or you know like Joan Crawford or Betty Davis like uh, you know maybe that's a queer thing you know? like, <laughs> yeah. that seems pretty queer to me so uh, that's definitely something but I don't know what would you say Dom like about what we're I don't know I mean I think we always we're most mostly working and sampling from a place of love and it's the stuff that we grew up with and you know with notable exceptions of course like you know when you end up uh working with something like, uh, I don't know, Crocodile Dundee or something, then, of course, you're, you know, sort of deliberately taking a text and 
Have you guys watched Crocodile Dundee lately? Like, no. oh shit, oh gosh, like, it's terrible. We visit it with Whoa. caution. It's like yeah. so transphobic and like horrific and yeah, racist, misogynistic. It's, yeah. it's terrible. And you know, only like last year, you know, the Australian government felt that it was like the correct thing to do to rebrand, you know, Australian tourism Rebirth, in like. the face of like a reboot of like Crocodile Dundee. And you're like, really? Is Whoa. this is this who we're leading with as a nation? This is like still happening. You know, it's. It's really, it's much worse than you kind of remember when you rewatch that film. It's quite a revelation. Maybe they do that because it's fun and a lot of Australian cinema can be quite serious. And I think that's why I love about Terranullius is that it's kind of flipping that and showing all of the outrage that you have towards these things like Crocodile Dundee, but it's still punk. I mean, my friend went on the first screening and was talking about how a lot of the audience, I don't know they knew what they were in for like and they were laughing at strange spots and some of it was uncomfortable do you think that this is like have you with the audiences that you've watched is there a lot of discomfort or wow that's like a that's an amazing thing to hear you know I mean that's something that we really appreciate because I mean you know there's the idea of political art like if you aren't bringing some discomfort then you know how's that different from like you know uh, Chanel doing like you know uh, models protest- holding placards or, or like or, Pepsi you know. like rebranding as revolution like you know there is so much like recommodification of politics now you know that really there has to be actually some genuine discomfort in something I think for it to actually work as a political text absolutely so when we hear that you know that that, that it does that in different ways um, yeah I mean I think that's kind of the point it's meant to be a provocation do you guys mind talking about the viewing space a little bit because your work is shown across so many different platforms. I mean, I'm thinking about this year, you're at the Sydney Film Festival, you're at Dark Mofo and uh, a screen at Acme and how that plays into your work. Yeah, I mean, um, with some of our previous works like The Was or Hollywood Burn, we made them for the internet and, you know, with that in mind. But I think with Terranalius, we we do have this idea that it, it is best experienced cinematically and collectively so you know we really we really want to sort of like create these um you know different opportunities for people to experience it that way and yeah like you said you know um that might be in a cinema um and that might be in a gallery and I guess both of those have like cool things about it I mean galleries are free you know gallery, like, I mean, we love the democracy cool, of like, like a free know? space that people can walk in and out of every hour on the hour you know that's a cool thing but we're also like you know, we're suckers for cinema. So to show in a film festival and show it like that to like a, a big like, you know, rowdy audience is, is also just like such a kick for us. What was the film that let's see in, in Terranales that made you feel the most righteous? Righteous? Wow. When that's you so, it off. that's feisty. Um I don't know. What would you say? I don't know. What I, I don't know what it, righteous. I don't um, know. Or like was there a scene where you went oh, yeah, we nailed that. Like putting this with this and this was like exactly, I just. I think so. I mean, there are like some scenes that like go down easier than others and, you know, people love like, you know, skippy speaking intersectional feminism and stuff. But I guess like for us, like the harder scenes, like we're like, you know, one, that kind of like one of those final moments where Anthony LaPaglia is in the car listening to John Pilger sort of speak truths of, you know, sort of Australia's, you know, genocidal history to get that moment just right so that, 
you know, the audience hopefully is struck with the devastation and melancholy of that moment as opposed to possibly the possibility that they might laugh. I mean, Skippy the bush kangaroo has just given him the cassette tape for that moment. So narratively, you know, it's a hard ask not for that to be a comedic moment, but I feel like we do feel super chuffed every time we experience an audience that there's silence at that moment. Like, Yeah, for sure. For us, it's really about creating these new time spaces, I think, where different things can um, can have a conversation with each other. And, and definitely with Terranullius, it's like it's, it's not we're not flipping things, making new things as much as like taking these amazing critical moments that are already in Australian history. And these amazing um, texts. I mean, these cinematic texts are already inscribed with such a critique of um, Australian culture and politics. Yeah, and then you're setting them in motion together and making them communicate with each other. And, I mean, that is cool, like, you know, to kind of create like a meta structure where all these amazing things that are already happening are talking to each other and creating these new relationships. So it's we always think it's like it's not so much about what we're doing as about, you know, uh, bringing things together that are already enacting these these things. Yeah, like the Avengers. <laughs> exactly yeah, like yeah. the Avengers. Spot on. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I think it's also cool because you were talking about you, you came from like a real sample culture and music, which I wanted to come back to because musicians and especially in rap and hip-hop which you there's the the afrofuturism i've forgotten the name of it astro black astro black um series that you did i mean a lot of that music is sampled and then critiqued and the music is someone's point of view and you don't i think we take that for granted i mean i hear some music that people just play at weddings flippantly has like really scathing social commentary why I'm so excited about your work in particular is that I got really bored of movies, especially coming from Australia, because they had this kind of very serious verisimilitude or something, and they couldn't really be postmodern in any way. They had to be very, like, straightforward. This is the human experience. This is the trauma we experienced. And I think what's really interesting is I've always wanted to just, like, run my own, like, commentary track over the top of it. (laughs) And I feel like that's what you're doing, which is really refreshing. And, like, actually, what are we talking about? What are our stories? Mm. How does, like, Snowtown go next to Priscilla? But you are kind of like running your own commentary, like, you know, by having this podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I mean, yeah. that's, that's Plus great. I would like listen to that uh, special feature as well. You should totally do that. <laughs> yeah. But how does um, music and commentary and that personal thing happen in cinema? And why don't we ever see it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that I totally agree with you about like not okay. seeing that in cinema. Like, um, I don't know. I I think that there is these really interesting and maybe they're, but then maybe they're not, you know, posed in such a in a postmodern aesthetic, you know, um, but at the same time there's a lot of meta levels of, of, of stuff that's going on in Australian cinema that I really adore and appreciate. Um, yeah, what would you say? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're diehard fans of Australian cinema and if I, I don't have to think back very far to think about the last time I like lost my shit about an Australian film and it was probably what I don't know maybe Sweet Country which I'm still recovering from I just thought it was so staggering. Yeah like to inhabit a western in that way and like totally flip that and like you know I think that that's a super awesome amazing critique of Australian mythology and so I think we're awed more by Australian cinema than we are like you know critical of it. Which is answering my next question which was uh, how did you 
enter the project? Were you entering with trepidation about having to go back through the archives of Australian film or were you just so excited? Well, we were just already deep nerds, you know, we were in a deep place of nerddom. Um, And even like, you know, for years, like this project has been in the works for a long time. But, um, you know, even 15 years ago, you know, we we had really good friends that were like trading DVDs and like things people don't know. Like, you know, Thirst is like a weird lesbian Australian vampire film. These kind of moments in Australian history that you're not really aware of and all the exploitation and the way it connects with the new wave, it's fantastic. I, I just so into it. All the corners of it are so cool as well. And when you say exploitation, people are like, yeah, 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 you know, I've seen Not Quite Hollywood, but it's like the exploitation beyond what was even mm. in that documentary is like perverse and cool. I don't really know how to articulate this, but I know for a fact that when I see something that's mainstream, like a, a pop star or a pop film, when I see the people who make that do something that's a bit more self-reflective or a bit more, I would say, meta or intimate, it always feels like they're so relieved to finally break away from the pop and make something that's a bit more introspective or a bit more nuanced. And it kind of feels like when you guys mash up all these pop films into these pop video essays, you're kind of giving those films a chance to be reinterpreted or be interpreted in a deeper way. Is that something that you guys think about? I don't know. I mean, I think that 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 idea that popular culture is somehow stupid is kind of a vexed idea in itself and that um, what we bring to it, it might be something more critical than yeah, that. Yeah, we we're like, pop culture's already liberated. And I think that it's liberated by viewers, you know? Like, mm. so I think that like, and I mean, queer communities have always liberated pop culture from the from whatever it is, you know? Mm. So it doesn't really matter what it is. If as a viewer, you bring something different to it or you... Also, what is popular culture? What was that beautiful thing that Phil Brophy said to us once? Like, what is popular culture? It's just what's in the mainstream. And and maybe that's like, you know, David Williamson's play at the STC, you know, which in a weird way someone might think of as kind of highbrow, high yeah. you know, but that's pop culture. Yeah, or... we think that the highbrow, lowbrow is just monobrow now, you know, like it's totally. it's it's collapsed and that there's no sort of sense in which there are these distinctions anymore um, mm. and maybe that framework doesn't really gel or something. And I think the framework that I'm thinking from, and this is one that I don't really understand completely because I'm not a huge Kanye academic, <laughs> but I guess when, I, when, when you watch his career and you see the kind of works that he's making, you can sense that he has this... He talks about freedom of doing things differently and outside of the money machine and you watch people react to that and then you compare it to his stuff that's a bit more mainstream or that made more money or that's more commercially successful and it just feels like there are these uh, artists who are yearning to make something that is deeply nuanced and complicated and they're not getting the chance to and it feels like your films, when I watch your films, uh, that's what that's the opportunity that that's what it is it's uh... oh that's lovely I mean we've mm. never been haunted by money because there's never been any so <laughs> you know it's really easy to just do what you want when it's just like mm. well there's not really I mean as an artist you know I think most well, you artists don't become have an this artist. experience you don't become an artist if you if you're chasing the money so maybe in other industries that's a deal you know different amounts of finance but not in art and yeah. also like it comes back to that question of what you want to make I mean you know if you if you want to make a dollar and then you don't become an artist. And if, if you're an artist, like the privilege you have is that you get to make what you want. You're not a content provider or, you know, and so in that sense, like we just feel that the privilege is to like, you know, stay with the trouble, make what you want to make. Are you guys just constantly fulfilled? <laughs> and hungry. <laughs> so hungry. Yeah. We're fulfilled but hungry. So the only thing we're not fulfilled about is our next meal. <laughs> why, why the move to New York City? 
because it feels like you guys have such an attachment to Australia and it's where, where your careers began and now you're off in the States. So. Oh, oh <laughs> it sounds so sad. It sounds exciting to me. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you can come visit. <laughs> Do come visit. Oh, yeah, oh. it's such a glamorous life. Yeah, we have like a little video bunker in uh, Brooklyn. Um, it's like literally the basement of and, and um, I live a building. In our, Dan lives in, in the, the studio. Yep. But we do have a basketball court across the road, which we also consider to be our studio. So we get daylight occasionally too. Gosh, I mean, we, we got a scholarship to go to New York for one year and we had anticipated that we would go there and we'd actually been living in Berlin for about three years before that. So we anticipated that we'd go to New York and then go back to Berlin. Um, but there's a lot that keeps us in New York. We run a little micro cinema with our mates in Brooklyn called Spectacle Theatre, which is like a little 30-seat, $5 tickets, BYO beer, kind of like, you know, scrappy, amazing cinema. Um, we're part of the sort of underground, you know, sort of experimental film world there and throughout the States. And, and we get know. back a lot. And we get back a lot. I mean, it's so cheesy to say like, you know, oh, best of both worlds. But, you know, if you're going to carbon footprint that hard, you have to be fucking grateful. And we are, you know, we, we do get to do that. What uh, kind of gets you moving into your artistic process? Is it something like food or is it sleep or is it inspiration? Like what makes, what gives you the tick? Not so much like what inspires you, but Physically, like what gets you to the desk to hop onto a dome? <laughs> like you mean like my legs? <laughs> I mean, apart well, from the body. <laughs> I can honestly say that my bed is so close to my desk because I it's live true. in the studio. So uh-huh. it's just it's just a matter of steps. Uh-huh. So that makes it easier. I mean, we love what we fucking do. You know, we so live for it. Like that's what we love to do. So spending time in the dark with video is like absolutely... Is yeah. that the thing? Like, I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, already... With making Terranalius and, of course, we're grateful and, like, enjoying screening it with audiences and, and travelling with it and, and breakfast buffets. But, um, but you know, for us it's like we've already started the new project. You know, that's our happiest. Like, we just, like, want to get up and, like, start the new work and do it. Like, I don't know. I think we we are just true nerds for the art making in a sense. And I think you have to be to an artist, to be an artist because, as we said, you know, there's... Not many other perks. <laughs> Can we ask about the new project? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, if Terranellius emerged out of sort of like a feeling of urgency about sort of like the, the contemporary political climate, I suppose that was how we felt sort of 18 months ago. And now what we feel completely urgent about is the future of the internet. So the project that we're working on now is like called Netsploits and it sort of takes the Snowden leaks and kind of like works them into kind of a speculative... Cyberpunk. ...narrative about sort of like surveillance. It's going to be Phil Collins, sax solos, um, you know, 3D dolphins. Did you say, um, say what's the... Did you say Colin sax solos? Oh, Phil, Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like put the saxophone in your butt, in your butt and like <laughs> play oh, with players. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, that's going in. <laughs> that is yeah, going yeah, in. That in my pocket. I, I really need to lift my game. You know, Phil Collins <laughs> like pales in comparison to that. And especially Colin. it'll be Phil Collins... Colin Sachs. Colin Oh, my God. Solo. Which is also just a great drag name or something. Yeah. Like. Cool. Phil Collins Colin. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a question? Or? I was just going to wonder what kind of space it's going to be in. It was just like in the was, which I love and could watch over and over again for the rest of my life, is <laughs> just full of spaces that I feel at home in. Like, I, I love that the characters all kind of would inhabit that space anyway, and then it just makes sense for them to be there. 
So do you think about spaces first or geography when you're coming to these things and what's that going to be, the cyberspace? Yeah, no, I mean, we absolutely do. Like, I think, you know, that that was a, a work about spaces and, you know, Terra Nullis was about the Australian landscape. And I think maybe the space of Netsploits is the 90s, you know, and it's it's like kind of cyberspace fantasies of the 90s and like what does that mean to revisit that now in the face of like actually what's happened to the internet and because there was such a moment of optimism then yeah. about what the internet might might and be. be and you know the dystopia that has unraveled you know to actually bring that into sudden contact with that 90s moment of the internet Sandra Bullock in the net you know ordering a pizza off the internet and and now this kind of like completely dystopic like vision cool. and we're interested in kind of expanded cinema forms as well it feels right for this project perhaps because throughout it it enter it, it sort of traverses uh, IRL spaces and goes inside the computer screen and inside the you know sort of information superhighway so we're also interested in the sort of potentiality of making an expanded cinema form perhaps one that the audience experiences with some laser, like synch synchronized laser lights and 3D, you know, sequences or something. So it's it's kind of exciting. That sounds fucking awesome. Thank you so much. This has been Danger Film with Soda Jerk. Have a beautiful afternoon. Cheers, thanks guys. for joining us. Oh, uh, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.